The best games, the best fans, the best on the bayou. The best, the best. The best ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Happy to have you with me, everybody, after a busy weekend in sports. Beautiful weather out there. From a diamond standpoint, UL and and, uh, UL softball and baseball earned sweeps over Troy and at Arkansas State. LSU baseball sweeps Mississippi State and handles the Bulldogs. The Masters ends with Scotty Scheffler, the world's number one, reminding everybody that he is, in fact, number one in the world. If you didn't know who Scotty Scheffler was before this past week, and you do now, he looks like he's like a younger brother of Jason Witten. He, he does not look 25 years old. He looks like he's like close to my age. But it was an incredible performance for him. And uh, Ted Scott, the man on the bag, his caddy, a Lafayette native, on site, on the bag for another green jacket ceremony. He won two with Bubba Watson, and now he is part of another Masters green jacket with Scotty Scheffler. It was awesome. The champion, in his words, here is Scotty. I've, I think because it's the Masters. Um, I've, I've dreamed of having a chance to play in this golf tournament. I, I teared up the first time I got my invitation in the mail. Um, we, we were fortunate enough to play here in college, and, you know, I love this place. I love this golf course. Um, and there's just, you know, if you're going to choose a golf tournament to win, this would be the tournament I would want to win. His first major championship, he wins it by, what, three strokes. Roy McElroy was tremendous yesterday. Absolutely fantastic. But does anyone play better golf when they really don't have a shot at winning it than Roy McElroy? Like he's too far behind. It would take Scheffler just having a complete choke job, which he didn't. He took care of business, did what he had to do. He's a master's champ. Got his green jacket and at only 25 years old. Likely more to come. It was it was it was impressive, man. We're gonna to talk to Andy Melanson again at eight o'clock about the Masters, about Ted Scott, the Lafayette native, who was on the bag, who 
back in October when he and Bubba Watson split was going to get into teaching lessons. He's 48 years old. He grew up here. And, you know, he started caddying at the 2000 Louisiana Open. And from there has worked his way into one of the best, most notable caddies in the business. And when Scheffler called him back in November about being his caddy, Ted Scott's like, okay, I was maybe going to retire, get into teaching lessons, but um, sure, let's do it. And now it's another Masters. Only the fifth man to be on the bag for three or more. Shout out to him. Shout out Lafayette. What a weekend. Phone lines are open for you this hour when we're not visiting with the coaches. 337-269-1077. That's 337-269-1077. We will visit with Raging Cajun softball coach Jerry Glasgow at 715. We will visit with Raging Cajun baseball coach Matt Deggs at 815 as we do each and every Monday during the season. Tiger Woods was the was was the story on Thursday. When I talked to you guys last on Friday morning, he was still the story. And then it turns out, yeah, um, that's a whole lot of walking you got to do at the Masters. And by Friday, he was just physically completely beat up. And while he made the cut, I mean, just sitting out there watching him, dude was just in pain. Oh, but it was good to have him out there. It was. It was good just to have him out there. But... How quickly it went from, man, Tiger, look at that. He's not far from the top of the leaderboard to quickly, oh, my gosh, he can barely walk, and I'm just glad he's there. I'm just glad he's alive. You know, there were a lot of stories around the Masters. Scotty Scheffler, for as good as he is, he's not, um, how shall we say, He's not the most demonstrative guy. And it it never felt like he was ever truly being threatened to lose the lead. And so as a result, the Masters didn't have the uh, drama that maybe you would hope to see on a Sunday. It did have Sir Nick Faldo just spoiling Roy McElroy's shot from the bunker, the best shot of the whole day. God. This is one thing I'll say about the Masters coverage. Sir Nick Faldo deciding, I'm just going to let everyone know, oh, watch what's about to happen. You're not going to believe this. Well, why, why would you do that? Why would you do that? Ever watch a movie with a little kid and they've seen it before and they just keep saying exactly what's about to happen and you're like, Enough! Nick Faldo did that when Rory hit the shot of the day. Oh, you're not going to believe it. Well, you just told me something was going to happen. And then Jim Nance trying to one-up him when Morikawa does the same thing, and he's like, oh, yeah, well, you said it, Nick, but you're not going to believe this one either. Guys, we, we, we're, we're watching on TV. We haven't seen it yet. Speaking of, Speaking of, like, 
when it comes to the Masters, they are leaving a ton of money on the table, and they don't care at all. They don't, because it's the Masters. They're going to do it their way. According to Forbes, the Masters tournament will generate $142 million in revenue. That is $18 million less than the U.S. Open. So where does the revenue come from? Merchandise, $69 million. The badges, which gets you in, which is $39 million. International TV rights, which is $25 million. And concessions, which is $8 million. Concessions that you always hear about, oh, they're not even that expensive. See, the Masters generates no domestic TV revenue. And you might be thinking, how is that possible? The incredible, the, 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 what a sweetheart of a deal CBS and ESPN get. The Masters allows them to broadcast their event in exchange for the Masters' right to basically control the broadcast as they see fit. Hey, guys, you can air the biggest golf tournament of the year. We just get to, get to control the broadcast, which the control of it is, you know, I'm not a golfer, but for, for hardcore golfers, it's like golf porn form. It's the Masters. So the Masters allows ESPN and CBS to do it for no compensation. The U.S. Open, they get $15 million from sponsorship deals, $93 million from domestic TV rights deals. So they get over 100 mil, they're 160 mil from domestic TV. The Masters gets nothing because they don't want it. They just want to control the broadcast. And Jim Nance constantly trying to make the winner each year cry. Little did he know, Scotty Scheffler does not show much emotion at all. Forbes calculates the Masters missed out on a total of $269 million. By not maximizing the revenue potential. And you know what? They don't care. They don't care. They're going to do it their way. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. 11 after the hour. We'll get more into what unfolded at Augusta. We'll get into what unfolded on the diamond. The NBA regular season is in the books. The Lakers are going to fire their head coach. It's not going to help at all. Believe me, we're going to discuss the Pelicans playing game scheduled for this Wednesday against the Spurs. Take a look at some matchups. It is all coming your way. But up next, Cajun softball, getting it done on the diamond over the weekend. They won their 69th consecutive Sunbelt Conference Series over the weekend. You got to go back nine years since the last time they lost the Sunbelt Series as they uh, handled Troy 7-1, to 7-1, to one, and then 10 to nothing yesterday. We'll talk to the head coach, Jerry Glasgow. How's he feeling on a Monday coming off of three straight wins? Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN Lafayette. Great Scott show. I'm Scott Prather. The biggest names in sports are talking to you every day on the Rich Eisen Show with me, Rich Eisen. I know! 
every weekday from noon to 3 right here on ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. This is the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. And where you were able to hear three Rage of Cajun softball victories over the weekend and a sweep against the Troy Trojans, who heading into the weekend were um, just a game behind Louisiana in the Sun Belt standings. Now they are four games back after. An impressive display and here to chat with us about Rage of Cajun softball is head coach Jerry Glasgow. Coach, when I talked to you last Monday, you guys were coming off of a, um, I think, what, a three and one week? And, but it was kind of how it ended. You know, you were, uh, you were still not in the best of moods Monday morning. This week, you know, you lost earlier in the week, but you're coming off three straight victories. So I got to ask, how are you feeling on this Monday morning? The wins were much needed and, and you know, came at a great time because, you know, we're, if we play any more weekends like we did the Georgia State, Georgia Southern weekends, uh, you know, the conference is over. And and then we – Texas State's got a good ball club, but we had the chance to sweep on Sunday and and just made a lot of mistakes – and a lot of things happen that, you know, can't happen and you expect to win. So we kind of, you know, we we just needed a great weekend to prove to ourselves, you know, how how good we can be when we, when we execute and when we get mentally in that mindset to play well. And, you know, the mental side of the game is so much under – estimated by by athletes and especially young athletes and i think what they learned this weekend was that when they're locked in on softball nothing but softball not things off the field not things that's going on around them not getting uh not allowing themselves to get caught up in all the clutter that sometimes affects college athletes and they can really reach their potential and i think this weekend they came close to reaching their potential so it was that part of it is extremely rewarding to me, um, and I was really proud of my team this weekend because you see, you know, as a coach, you 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 get paid to see what's wrong, but you also you take great pride in what's right. And um, this weekend, there was just so much right about what they did and how they performed. Kendra Lamb was outstanding. Uh, Sam Landry was outstanding. The offense was outstanding. The defense was outstanding. And, and the base running was good. So we executed on a lot of levels really good this weekend. Um, so that was fun for me. And, 
more than fun. It was just needed. We just needed that weekend to to get things going the right direction. And now it comes at a really good time because you've got uh, a very good southeastern Louisiana team tomorrow night on the road. Then you've got the nine and one first place team in the Sun Belt straight ahead of you on Friday, on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday over at South Alabama, and then we'll come home Saturday evening and, and fly up to the Midwest Sunday for a really important road trip with uh, four games against St. Louis U, University of Illinois, doubleheader, Indiana, and then over to App State, who's playing very well, and then, uh, I believe, third place in our conference right, right now. Mm-hmm. So this Upcoming road trips critical, and so the things that we saw this weekend are really at the perfect time going into that. Yeah, it, it sounds like the the confidence is up heading into the longest road trip of the season and a crucial one at that, as you mentioned, South Alabama atop the Sun Belt, uh, App State uh, in third, just behind you guys, and then you know um, a number of midweek games against nine conference opponents back in your. Your neck of the woods. Um, I, I want to circle back real quick, Coach Jerry Glasgow, I guess, to something you mentioned about locking in, right? The mental aspect of softball that perhaps could be lost on a young player until maybe the light comes on and they get it. You've been coaching softball for, you know, over 20 years. Do you find that today's athletes, there's is there more distractions? Is it harder for them to lock in? Or is it really just... Yeah, maybe technology and other things are different now, but those off-the-diamond distractions are, have always been a part of the game. I guess what I'm asking is, is it is it more difficult coaching young ladies to, to focus on the mental aspect more today than it was maybe 15 years ago? I think there's probably always, you know, there's always been distractions. But it's a different type of distraction now, you know. 15, 20 years ago, you know, maybe the distraction was, you know, if your <laughs> your bicycle had a low tire on it, it was low as your tire and how you going to get home from the ballpark. Or, you know, it's just different. The world's gotten, uh, we just really become advanced in technology. Um, you know, 15, 20 years ago, kids still went home and played wiffle ball in the yard and, um, they they had less they were less likely to be inside at a table, you know, on a computer or looking at a TV screen or electronic screen. They still, you know, still were outside some. And and so here's the result of that in my opinion is more than the distraction, just knowing how to socially interact, knowing how knowing how to react to being on a ball club, being on a team, knowing that you know, knowing how to handle when you're starting in the lineup or when you're not starting in the lineup, knowing how to interact with your teammates when they're doing good, you're not doing good. Those are personal skills that I think go away some with social media when kids are constantly on a computer or on a on a iPad or on a telephone creating videos. Uh, you know, they lose a sense of of team a team-minded mentality. And so those are all things that, you know, I think have affected this year's young ball club. Um, but I also feel like 
we're really getting past that point at this point among the players that we figured out we can win with. And, you know, there's, there's, there's kids that are competitors that will give it all for their team and, and make it less about the individualistic situation. And there's some players that just tend to get caught up in that individualistic thinking process and make it, and it becomes very hard for them to look at the overall effect on the whole team or the situation of the whole team. But I, and I felt like that was what we saw this weekend. You know, we got Langlier's back, a very talented freshman, but a very team oriented kid that understands how to win softball games. And, and another one, uh, Melissa Mayu has, mm-hmm. you know, really come front and center on our team. And there's no, there's no player, you know, on our roster more willing to do whatever it is for the team, be catcher, be a left field, be shortstop, be second base. You put her where you need her and she's going to give you everything she got. And she's going to focus on helping the team win. So I think that, you know, having her out there at this time has really been good for the young kids. Yes, she is the, the true utility player. I, I had her on my list here because – um, my my father's a season ticket holder for U.S. softball, and as a result, I end up meeting some other season ticket holders. I met uh, a woman this week, and I met I know her, but I hadn't I hadn't seen her in, in years. And she is hardcore softball, right? She loves U.S. softball, and she said, "Scott, I listen to you talk to coach every week. Can you please ask him about Melissa Mayu?" She's I, I said, "Sure." Uh, I said, "Why?" She said, "I just." I love her. I think she does all the little things. Can you just ask Coach about her and, and how she is in the clubhouse? So you kind of just alluded to it, Coach, but uh, if you could maybe expound a little bit because I, um, I know one of your season ticket holders is listening right now wanting me to ask you that. Yeah, you know, I need to hire her for team consulting because she's <laughs> exactly dead on. I mean, Melissa sets example. These are things that Melissa brings to our ball club. She she sets a she sets the bar. She sets the example of how to work hard every single day. She probably says less words, you know, at the practice, at fields, in games. She probably says less words than anyone on the ball club. Maybe less than any three players. You know, if you tripled what she says, it'd be less than any other player. She just doesn't talk much which sometimes in the middle infield or, you know, at certain defensive positions, you'd like to see that communication be better. But then on the other hand, she's just out there. She's a warrior, comes to, comes to practice, does whatever you ask. You ask her to play first, she plays first extremely well. You ask her to play shortstop, she'll play shortstop extremely well. And then the other thing that has really flourished this year is she's coming to her own as an offensive player. She really hit the ball well right now. Getting lots of RBIs, hitting I think 360. Um, so she's really improved her offensive game, and we've seen that step up. I think she had four home runs is the most she'd ever had in a season, and she's already got that. And she's she's hit a couple more that the wind hadn't caught them. They got out, so we know we're going to see we know we're going to see a lot more of power out of her throughout the rest of the season. And then then she brings the leadership with our young kids where. By that, I mean, you know, she doesn't get caught up in anything. The only thing that appears to really matter to her is her team and her effort. So, 
just really fortunate to have that kid on our roster and have her here from France on our team and in our community. Coach Jerry Glasgow, our guest, ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. This is the Great Scott Show. Um, looking forward, Coach, uh, you, you felt like this past weekend you guys were able to turn a corner. Now you're going on the longest road trip of the season. I know you guys are in Hammond tomorrow. I think you leave for Mobile Wednesday. You come back briefly Saturday, but then it's up to the Midwest uh, for travel. St. Louis, Illinois, Indiana. Then in Boone, um, you talk about the mental aspect of the game. A long road trip like this that also just has huge implications, obviously on the Sun Belt Conference in terms of, of the conference opponents and then the, the, the quality opponent sandwich between the two. What's your message to the team to just stay locked in for, you know, uh, a, a road trip of this magnitude where, you know what, you're not going to be home much in the next few weeks, but you got to play your best softball of the season right here. Yeah, I mean, they don't have class that week when we're on the road, so that'll be a relief. This, this week we want them to really emphasize their academics because, you know, we got the, the spring break trip coming up. And that's what I, my message I saw after the game was, like, really get off to a great start today, Monday, on the academic aspect of your week and set the tone for the rest of the week because we need them to really be great students this week. And then we can really get off and enjoy the spring break trip, which I, I hope they find fun. And it's going to be a challenge because there's some travel involved. But then on the other hand, they're going to get to see – you know, a historic university in St. Louis U, and then they're going to see two of the prettiest Big Ten campuses, uh, University of Illinois and University of Indiana, and uh, and get it. Get They've never played it. You know, we've never been to a Big Ten campus since I've been here. That's going to be really fun for me, and I hope they, they enjoy it as much as I think they will. And then we get to go over to, to Boone, which is a beautiful place. And, of course, the conference uh, games will be extremely important no matter how, you know, no matter how we stand at that time because, you know, this is a year where not only is every game important, but we know already that that conference tournament is going to be very important. So um, it, I'm hoping that their youthful energy and uh, – freshness of being a lot of freshmen and sophomores on the team will get them give them the mental strength to get through this uh kind of a tough road trip and we'll be without rain o'neill she's going to stay here and do uh therapy to try to get back for the stretch run in the postseason so she won't be on that trip so we're going to be really you know it's going to be a shorthanded trip but i i think it'll be I know it'll be good for our team in the middle toughness aspect. They'll come back home a tougher team than when they left mentally <laughs> because nothing's going to be easy for them on it. But that's what I always tell our ball club. It's like last year I did the same thing. We made some hard we made some hard trips and we made some hard, a hard schedule for a certain stretch of the season. I don't want it to be easy for them. I don't want it to. We don't want to be a ball club that wants everything to be easy. We want we want to be a ball club that, you know, thrives and welcomes the challenge that exists and, you know, thrives in adversity, um, learns to, you know, really be motivated by a, a, a mentally tough thing or a physically tough challenge. 
So that's the idea of this trip, make us a tougher, better ball club, and hopefully we'll, cha- we'll accept that challenge, and that's how we'll make it turn out. Coach Jerry Glasgow, our guest. Uh, Kendra Lamb, I know she pitched for you uh, over the weekend, five innings. Um, she pitched in the midweek game. Is she is she currently on, I don't want to necessarily say a pitch count, but on a, a, a I guess, a, a playing time uh, frame? I know you've spoken about the MRI last week that came back very positive, but how closely do you guys have to keep an eye on her from a physical standpoint. Are there limitations, I guess, is the easier way to ask the questions for her right now from a playing time standpoint? No limitations that I know of. I think uh, Coach Justin is making that decision. Uh, he, he, the McNeese game, <coughs> her ankle gave out on her. She fell in the middle of her delivery. And I think he felt like at that time she was dominating the game had 4.1 innings and no hitter. I don't think anybody reached base. But when she fell, that ankle give out, he felt like it was time to get her out of the game. And then this this past week on Saturday, you know, she went five innings, very dominating fashion, and he switched over to uh, Megan Shoreman. And, um, you know, I, I don't think it was anything to do with a pitch count. I just think he thought it was the right time in the right moment to give the game uh, to Megan and let her close it out. Uh, but, you know, all these pitchers right now, when you've got three, when you've got uh, three arms throwing really well, um, you know, you, you're trying to get them all work. And I know he wants to get Carly Heath some work, and you know, it's just hard to find enough innings right now for everyone. But hopefully on the spring break trip we can get, get more innings for for Carly and and more for Megan as well, um, so I think that's it. I don't think it's. I think Kendra's in really good shape. You know, her results have been tremendous. She's really been dominating uh, the the innings that she's thrown. And I think if his mindset, Justin's mindset, is more keeping her fresh and and uh, just getting to all the pitchers as much work as he can at the same time secure and wins for a ball club. Rage Cajun softball coach Jerry Glasgow has been our guest. Coach, I, uh, I appreciate you taking the time as always. Uh, I know it's not until Sunday, but happy Easter to you and your family. Um, safe travels, and uh, we look forward to listening to the games here coming up over the next couple of weeks. All right, thank you very much. You got it. it. That is head coach Jerry Glasgow as he joins us each and every Monday. We'll take a quick time out when we come back. More from Augusta in the green jacket and why who was going to win the Masters was never really in doubt yesterday, but the ending, oof. Let's just say for those that were following closely and maybe had a little coin on a particular bet, were watching intently. Don't go anywhere. Great Scott Show coming back after this on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Hey, sports fans, this is Rich Eisen reminding you to catch the Rich Eisen Show every weekday from 12 to 3 on ESPN Lafayette. Now back to more of the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather. Oh, 
Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Appreciate Coach Jerry Glasgow coming on. We'll talk Cajun baseball at 8.15. Coach Matt Deggs will be in. Well, not in. He'll be on the phone line, but we'll talk to him. Cajuns get a sweep at Arkansas State. Win yesterday. Looked crazy. LSU baseball. I... <laughs> I mean, this team, right when you think they're they're about to go on a roll, right? They look so good against Florida. They put up 27 runs and two wins. Then they go out and they lose 2-3 or three to Auburn, and they have errors in the field. Then they go to Starkville. They sweep Mississippi State. They dominate yesterday 13-3. to <laughs> Up and down, but they're up right now. They got Lamar, and then they are at Arkansas next week, and that'll be a tough series. But we'll talk to Andy Malosso on eight more on the Masters. I'll just say this for those that had the winning score from the Masters at 12 under, they were paying very close attention to Scotty Scheffler on the, the final, not just the final round, but specifically the 18th where he double bogeyed when he was up by five strokes. That's how good he was, though. That's how good he was yesterday. He made the final round of the Masters inevitable. And the most dramatic part of it was, oh, my God, this bet, is it going to, are we going to hit? Are we? Oh, no, I, oh, double bogey. The hell of a, that's a hell of an ovation after a four-putt double bogey. I mean, you win the Masters. The Masters. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. We're going to talk more about the Masters in just a little bit with any loss on top of the hour. So the Pelicans wrapped up their regular season last night on TNT playing really not not any of the core players. Brandon Ingram sat out. C.J. McCollum played a few minutes, then sat down. Valanchunas sat out. Herb Jones sat out. Herb Jones, by the way, led the team in minutes played this year. Shout out to the second rounder. Devontae Graham didn't play. Might not always be a bad thing. But their nine seed was secured. It couldn't be altered one way or another. So you figured, after a horrendous performance Saturday in Memphis, once San Antonio lost, you figured, okay, this is, this is going to be a lot of DNPs. You're going to see a lot of Garrett Temple tonight and a lot of key players with DNP on the box score. And Ingram's missed the number again. He missed 27 games this season. Zion missed every game. And yet the Pelicans in the play-in, which it did make for some more meaningful basketball at the end of the season. Something tangible to play for. It did. And it was valuable for a team that really is young and growing and needs it. And the NBA gets to milk this play-in this week before your first-round playoff games begin next weekend. 
You say, all right, you're going to miss 27 games from Brandon Ingram. Zion's not going to play a single, you know, a single game. You would think, oof, it's going to be another really, really rough one. You had fan appreciation night last night. It was packed in a game that had, like, Saints-Panthers Week 17 in 2006 vibes because it's, they're not, it's not an elimination game. It's just everybody just relax, hang out. And there, there wasn't a specific moment this season where, boom, it just clicked. And everything started to go from really bad to really good. You've heard a lot about a 1-12 start, a 3-16 and start, all the problems, and the fact that they put themselves in a better position. And you can look at the overall record and say, oh, I mean, 36 wins, come on. That's not great. But if you've watched the team and you followed them, you know it's been different. And the NBA office sticking with that play-in tournament, expanding the postseason to 10 teams, which, I again, I didn't like when it happened. I'm not saying I like it now. I don't, but it's definitely benefited New Orleans. It has. Without the play-in, are they – do they even make them a column trade? Maybe. But the you know elevating the team's short term potential, going for it, having a tangible goal, it made for more high stakes games. It gave more meaning. That matters certainly in a market like New Orleans, but it matters for a team to have those experiences. You know, with Zion out, Ingram missing time, if they had no shot at the postseason. Are they? Is it playing out the way it has the last month? The playing tournament definitely served its purpose for the Pelicans. Will it matter? Sure, it will. Even if they lose, because of what it's allowed them to do here over the last month. But it wasn't a single moment. Usually, whenever things start to change, it's not. I mean, you, we just had the conversation with Coach Jerry Glasgow talking UL softball. He felt like. There was a turning point this past week, and it wasn't a specific moment. When you see cultures change within sports teams, franchises, whatever, for the good or the bad, it's unless you're talking about, oh, well, they lost this player to injury, and that's when it all happened. If it's if it's not a specific injury thing, it's never a singular moment. Ironically, some injuries have been the moments where the Pelicans have then turned and played some of their best ball, like the last time they were playing meaningful basketball in the month of April. When Boogie Cousins, when his Achilles burst, and it looked like all was lost, and then they went on and went to the playoffs that year and swept Portland and got in the second round and then lost to the Warriors, who went on to win the NBA title that year. But this year, you know, Zion didn't play. Not a single statistic. But Willie Green, not being afraid to play young guys like a Herb Jones and Alvarado, Trey Murphy now entrenched. Finally, it took him a little while, but benching Garrett Temple, trading Thomas Sedaransky, going with the youth movement. When Ingram plays this year, the Pelicans are 29 and 26. C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram have only played 15 games together. Zion hasn't played with any of them. The competitiveness that they were able to use playing meaningful games was big for them. 
Are they a great basketball team? No, they're not. They're a nine seed that's below 500. Are they trending in the right direction? Absolutely. I'll say this. Are they a bad basketball team? No. And usually the answer to that question, at least the last few years, has been yes. And the answer to that question back in December was yes. It's not the case anymore. Hosting a play-in game, that's big. This Wednesday night. In New Orleans, against the Spurs, on ESPN, 8.30. You win that, then on Friday night, you'll either travel to Minneapolis or Los Angeles to play the Timberwolves or the Clippers. And then if you win that, you're in the first round, and then you get to go to Phoenix. On Sunday night. I don't know if they'll win any. San Antonio is a team that doesn't beat themselves, so it'll be tough. But the play-in tournament has worked well. Regardless of the outcome Wednesday night. It'll be fun, though. They've got that thing sold out. People are excited. 337-269-1077. Dallas and Utah. Memphis and either Minnesota or the Clippers. Golden State and Denver, and then Phoenix against either Minnesota, the Clippers, the Pelicans, or the Spurs. Still a lot to be determined there. Those are your Western Conference matchups. The most competitive one, it's going to be Golden State-Denver. You see Clay Thompson dropping 41 last night. If Curry can play, the Warriors are one of the, it's just stay away from a betting standpoint. I think Charles Barkley said it last night. Curry gets in there and healthy enough to go. They could they could get to the finals. They could also get bounced in the first round by a Denver team that has, you know, the MVP. In the East, Philadelphia and Toronto is going to be a fun series. Although Philly's going to win it. Boston against Jeez, one of the playing winners. Miami against one of the playing winners. Milwaukee and Chicago. I like the Bucks in that. Playoffs are here. But before the first round gets started on Friday, the NBA gets to milk the play-in for a week. I got to admit, I, I see what Adam Silver's vision for all of that was. NBA draft lottery. The Pelicans have a 99.6% chance to get the Lakers pick. The Lakers will fire Frank Vogel, who was asked about it. And said, I haven't been told bleep. It's a cold world, man. It is a cold, cold world. You're out, but we're not going to tell you. AD said after the game, not really sure what happened this year, but LeBron and I can still be the core of the team. We just have to figure out what changed. Well, I mean, it, what changed was, I mean, you, AD's missed 76 games the last two seasons compared to the bubble championship where he didn't. LeBron missed a number of games. 
Oh, well, LeBron and AD and Russell only got to play 21 games together. 21. They were 11 and 10. But even without one of those three, you have you have two top 75 players of all time, even when one of those three isn't played, and they were 20 and 33. You would expect better results, but hey, that's it for him. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. We're going to take a timeout when we come back. Andy Malonson is going to join us. Get some more on Lafayette's own Ted Scott being on the bag for another Masters Championship. Andy saying, Scotty Scheffler. Scheffler became the fifth man ranked number one overall to go into Augusta and win the green jacket. He has shot up the rankings quickly and then stayed there and doesn't appear to be leaving anytime soon. Is his game sustainable? I mean, the guy's 25, even though he looks like he's about my age. He's 25. Is it sustainable? Some of the golf purists were talking about, I don't know if that drive, I don't know if that stroke can last long. Can it carry him? All I know is it's working for him right now. Everything seems to be working for him. We'll get into Augusta, the green jacket, the pimento cheese, all of it. We're going to talk Cajun baseball next hour as well. Coach Matt Deggs will join us at 8.15. Louisiana went up to Arkansas State. Got the sweep, a couple of close games Saturday and yesterday. But we'll dig into all of that. Don't go anywhere. It all continues right here. Coming at you on a Monday morning from the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab, by the way. Your forecast today and Daniel Phillips. Partly cloudy, windy, warm with a 20% chance of showers. Your high today is 80. Man, I wish we could just have the, the, the weather yesterday in Lafayette, yesterday afternoon. Oh, God, give it to me. Give it. I just want to just put it in some kind of potion and just intravenously just put it in my soul every day. It was, how could you not be happy in that weather? Great Scott Show coming your way next. Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Welcome in to the 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show. 
Kicking off this hour with us, my friend, Andy Malonson, corporate sales executive at golfballs.com, a man who has been to Augusta before, a man who was zoned in over the last four days following the Masters intently, a man who said, yes, Scotty Scheffler, probably uh, be the guy to go to, and referencing his caddy, Ted Scott, who is a Lafayette native. So, Andy, uh, now that the Masters 2020, uh, excuse me, 2022 is in the books, the 86th Masters is in the books, what was your favorite part of Augusta this year? Oh, great question. Um, <laughs> honestly, uh, watching Scotty and his nerves on 18, four putt, uh, just couldn't find the cup. Uh, it, it, that was fun to watch because I knew, uh, well, not that I knew what was going through his mind, but I can, I can see the the nervousness and the the moment just hit him, and uh, and how hard it was just to collect himself to to not get a two footer. That to me was uh, was really interesting. The best four putt in major history, maybe. Uh, <laughs> quite honestly, probably. It's a heck of an ovation for a heck of an ovation for a double bogey. It's not bad. Hey, I mean. No, I, hey, you know, it just goes to show, man, how, how hard it is to do. It was, um, it was great, man. Uh, it, you know, I think, have, look, I get, first of all, how is Scheffler only 25? Doesn't he look like he's about 40? I mean, can we at least agree on that? <laughs> that, dude, that dude, he plays like, but he plays like he's older too. It's, it's crazy to think he's just, I, I know that maybe, you know, the avid golf fans like yourself have known this guy for a little while. But this was sort of his, I think, his coming out party to the casual sports fan. Even though he was ranked number one in the world, what he's been able to do over the last several months is truly remarkable. Yeah, it's pretty special. So, I mean, he's, uh, I mean, he's a Dallas boy. So, you know, Texas, Texas produces some some pretty good golfers over the years. You know, they've, uh, I don't, I don't know what it is about them, but uh, maybe it's the conditions they're, they're, you know they grow up playing in, but, uh, you know, he's, he's been what on the scene for six, seven years now between the mini tours. And, um, you know, obviously now that, that he's on the PGA tour and number one in the world. So, I mean, he's, he's a, a unique player swings differently, thinks differently, really crafty, you know, good for him. Hopefully, uh, hopefully he sticks around for a while. Do you feel like his game is is sustainable? I I don't again I don't know golf the way you do, but it felt like um, I heard a couple of golf purists saying I don't know if his swing and I don't know if his drive and da 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 da. I'm like, well, all I know is his working form right now pretty good. I mean, over the course of time, there's been guys with quirky swings that uh, that have done some good things. You know, Lee Trevino, Arnold Palmer. Uh, <laughs> You know Jim Furyk most recently probably, but um, heck, I mean he hits the ball well. I mean he can repeat it. That's all that really matters. As long as you can do it over and over again, uh, you know how is it wrong? But to me, yeah, it's it's a unique. He 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 does some unique things. It doesn't look as maybe as pretty as as uh, some of the other guys that uh, you know that we see, but it works. ESPN you know, Lafayette. Like I said, he's really crafty. He's got a he's got a knack to to get it in the back of the cup, and uh, you know I thought his game suited Augusta pretty well from the get go. So I um, 
you know, I wasn't too surprised, especially as hot as it was. No, I mean, you, I, I well, should have listened to you. I should have put, I should have put some apples on it, and I, I regret, regretfully. Yeah, I should have listened to myself. Yeah, you should have listened. Good odds on Scotty at the beginning of the year. You, you should have listened to yourself. Uh, no, it was correct. You know, he, um, it took away some of the some of the drama on Sunday that you get right. Uh, Rory had a, obviously a magnificent day. Uh, I was very mad at Sir Nick Faldo for just uh, spoiling what we were about to see. Like, oh wait, guys, you're not going to believe what this, what just happened. Would you come on, dude? Don't don't tell us that. Uh, and then Jim Nance deciding to one up him by doing the same thing for uh, you know Warren Kyle after. But I, for Rory, is there anybody that just plays better golf when when he doesn't have a chance to win the big one? Because it. It felt like, okay, this is great. He has no shot because Scheffler's up so big, but that's when Rory tends to play his best golf, isn't it? Well, I mean, uh, you know, he, he played free. I mean, obviously, he's one of the most talented golfers to ever live. So he uh, he he played free. You know, he had nothing to lose. I mean, he was, he was a mile away. He was awesome. Uh, from the lead on Sunday. And you know what? Why not? If I go after everything and, 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 you know, just play like I know I can, you never know. You know, look at what Cam did. Cam, I mean, birdie birdie start, got within one through three or through two holes. Uh, and then, like, I, I, I thought had, that Scotty was just going to, you know, with all the pressure on him, Cam had just won the player, so the, the pressure was a little bit easier for him to, in my opinion, to deal with. And it wasn't the case. I mean, Scotty Rose and, and, and Cam just, you know, never really got it going after that. And, you know, we saw what he did on thir- on 12, which is so easy to do. But, you know, that, that could have been easily Scotty on 12 also. So, you know, one bad swing, one bad decision. You know, we've seen it happen so many times in a lot of places, nonetheless, Augusta. But, uh, you know, Rory going out there and, and giving it everything he had, you never know. I mean, Scotty could have dumped him in the water on 12 and made seven, too. You know? and, and I, I, for the record, I like Tiger Rory. Make a 10 on that hole a few years ago. Yeah, it's yeah. a crazy hole. I, I like Rory. I, um, I just I want to see him complete that Grand Slam, and I think he's just running out of time to do it. Um, but, I mean, the kid's 31, 32. I mean, uh, he's, got, he's got plenty of time. I just, you know, he's, he's got to figure out how to, to, to navigate those greens a little easier. I mean, from tee to green, he's great but once he gets within 100 yards he yeah. struggles so yeah. you know at that golf course that's that's the area that you need a master so you know it's going to take him some time uh we think he's had enough time like he should have won a few years back but he blew up on on sunday yeah. but uh I, I think he's uh as he matures and and you know decides to play a little bit more conservatively at that golf course and 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 uh you know i think he'll get one i mean he's got he's got plenty of time Andy Malonso, our guest, talking about the Masters, ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Ted Scott, uh, who grew up here in Lafayette, became the fifth man to be on the bag for at least three Masters championships, two with Bubba Watson. The two split up last October. Scotty Scheffler called him. Uh, The story goes, you know, Ted Scott was going to get into teaching professionally, and then, um, you know, it... The call came in, and now he's back out there in Augusta again. For those that aren't as knowledgeable about the sport as you, 
Obviously, a caddy is so much more than a guy that keeps scoring carries the clubs, especially at the highest level. What makes Ted Scott one of the best caddies ever and and so successful at Augusta? I mean, I I don't know, to be perfectly honest with you. You know, he obviously knows the golf course really well since he's been there for so long. I mean, there's plenty of other caddies that have been in that golf course and have walked it as many times. Um, you know, Teddy is a fun guy to be around. Um, you know, he, he makes things easy. Uh, he knows golf really well, so that helps. But, uh, I mean, I would say the large majority of those caddies are also great players or good players or very knowledgeable players. So, you know, obviously he 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 knows how to calm his player down and, and keep him in check and, you know, give him sound advice and give him right information and or just let them be themselves and let them play, you know. The worst thing you can do as a caddy is to try and coach your player because, um, I mean, most of the time the players don't want to hear what you're about to tell them. I mean, especially if they're in a funk or if they're not, you know, maybe playing to their potential at the time. But, uh, you know, Teddy, is, uh, he's got a ton of wins on tour, uh, now three three green jackets. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, he's obviously one of the best that's going to go out to that track. So, you know, uh, nothing really I can say. I mean, he's, 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 he's one of the good ones. No doubt about it. Eddie Malonson has been our guest. Lastly, pimento cheese, overrated, underrated, or properly rated? Proper. Uh, you know, we, we do it every year. This year we didn't have time to make it, so we bought it. Uh, it uh, It's probably the only time of the year we'll, we'll uh, get it or, or dive into it. Uh-huh. Uh, talking to some other, my other golf buddies, like, man, I'll, I'll do it all year. You know, I've just grown to love it. Not not us. You know, I, I think it's, it's tradition at the Masters. Um, you know, I, just like all my other masters gear, like I have my coffee mugs and my, and my tournament cups, all that stuff. We, we bring it out for this week, put it back in the shelf. Same thing with pimento cheese. We'll break it out. Yeah, man. I, I, I get it. Like, I don't really, I like it. I do. I don't eat it much, but every, every year I end up buying some, like when the masters is on and my wife's like, you bought pimento cheese. I'm like, yeah. And then yesterday afternoon we ate like all of it. Like we just brought just <laughs> dipped, and, and I don't I don't right? do the sandwich thing, but just you know some chips or crackers. I mean it was, it was tasty, man. So yeah, it's uh, I mean, but I it's I think it's properly rated. You, you have to, yeah, uh, yeah, tradition. It's uh, you know I will do it again next year, and I'm looking forward to it. Andy Malonsaw has been our guest, uh, man. Look, I appreciate you joining me last week and again today. Glad you enjoyed it, and uh, let's do it again in the future. Golfballs.com over on Arno Boulevard for all your golf needs. Andy and the guys over there, uh, incredible service. They'll take care of you. And just uh, incredible golf every year at Augusta, man. Love getting your perspective on it. <clears throat> I know how much you you know about the sport. Uh, it's a heck of a lot more than me. So appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing your knowledge, my friend. Always a pleasure, Scott. Thanks for having me, man. You got it. That is Andy Malawson. We'll take a quick break, come back, switch from golf to baseball. From the driver to the bat, Cajuns go to Jonesboro, get a sweep of Arkansas State. Head coach Matt Deggs joins me after this on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Sports talk that's so legit, it smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean... 
Can't you smell it? Uh, I'm smelling barbecue, too. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. While the team's giving all they got against the opponent, he's giving all he's got on the airwaves. Give me all you got! Give me all you got! It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show on a Monday morning. I'm Scott Prather. Joining me now, as he does each and every Monday throughout the season, the head coach of Louisiana Raging Cajun Baseball, Coach Matt Deggs, the Cajuns. Winners of four straight sweep Arkansas State in Jonesboro, and um, I'm sure they got probably got back just a couple of hours ago, so... Uh, first off, Coach, good morning. It's Monday, and um, you know normally you're probably up earlier on a Monday, but with the long road trip, um, how does it feel to, for, for the first voice you get to hear to start your week to be mine? Does it make you kind of sick, or does it make you excited? <laughs> I threw up in my mouth a little bit, Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Uh, my wife's already come and said good morning to me, so you're not. You're, you're like second or third. Okay. And then I had uh, Miss Sharon said hello down at the convenience store that I go to. And uh, so you're third. All right. I'll take third. I'll take third. Uh, I'll yeah, take you're third. in the money. There you go. Three, um, three wins against Arkansas State. Three very different games over the weekend, Coach, uh, and how they played out. But it, I want to I kind of look at them in order. Friday night's game, obviously, uh, the most dominant, I mean, um, Tally went five innings. He looked strong from a hitting standpoint. You guys finished with 12 hits overall. When you have a 10 nothing win, once you get to like the, 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 you know, the last third of the game, is it just, it's just more fun, you know, when you're up by eight nothing and it's in the seventh or eighth or guy, how, what's the atmosphere like on the road when you're winning big late in the game? It's, uh, I'm a little bit different, right? Uh, so when you're playing uh, lesser teams and you have leads, that's when I get, uh, I don't know, I guess you would say a little more intense. Uh, tight games, better teams, that's when it's a little more, it's, it's a little more uh, just relax, keep going, keep, you know. Uh, it's you know the 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 emotions are actually flipped right good to get in what I liked about that game is we got a lot of guys in the game uh I think you really gotta back up though two games and just start with the the road trip right it was a it was a week long we've been gone for a week mm-hmm. uh coming off what who'd we have Georgia southern mm-hmm. uh yeah, Georgia you know, Southern, and then off to Ruston. Great yeah. win right there, and then uh, you know we're losing and spit up a lead against Latak on the road. I mean, that's a gigantic two game set right there that we could have had both of. Uh, then we go down big on Wednesday night and find a way to come back and beat them. 
which was, you know, that was the Cooper Roll show. Yep. That here's Cooper Rolls, you know, just minding his own business. Next thing you know, this cat's got two wins, and he might be the national pitcher of the week. I don't know. I mean, it's just crazy stuff. Uh, and then, like you said, come out. I think the story of Friday night's game was Tally good, got us off to a good start, and we laid down nine bunts, which was kind of crazy in itself. I mean, most of those hits were bunts. Very tough ballpark to play in. Uh, it's massive. You're hitting uphill. Uh, which that's not anything you ever want to do. Uh, but literally, you're you're looking up. Uh, the wind was kind of blowing out, but it's still as big as Yellowstone out there, man. And then gradually, you can just start to see the wind shift Saturday. And then Sunday, it's uh, <laughs> 30 miles an hour right in your face. Yeah. And uh, it, it's a tough place to play. You know, in 14... We only lost four conference games. One of them was there. And uh, we struck out 17 times in 14 at that place and and somehow scored, still scored seven runs to win. Uh, we won one of the games on a show, Gerard, I believe, uh, squeeze. And then we got beat there. And so it's uh, – look, and, and I was telling our guys, you know, after – there's you could you could go on the road and play Tennessee right now, who's on a different planet, and it'd probably be easier because there's pressure right now in playing those guys, especially within a giant ballpark, wind in your face, and they haven't won a game, and so that can wear on you if you don't get going. If that makes any sense to you, the pressure of not wanting to be that first conference uh, exactly. W for them, right, right. Uh, so is it, hey Scotty, and all of their games, all of them, you know, they've all looked like yesterday. They've they've had teams come back on them, like they've been in it to to, you know, just something crazy has happened in all of them. Just about go back and look. They had a seven run lead on Texas State. Uh, their games are tied against uh, Coastal. I mean, it's they've all been like pulling teeth, man. Well, Saturday you get two in the top of the ninth, and then yesterday with the wind blowing, um, you know, like a tropical storm, you guys get three in the tenth. And we were talking last week about there's been it, it seems like a lot lately when a team um, hits you guys. You know, more times than not, you've responded. As of late, you've had to. Uh, what talk about the two responses on Saturday and Sunday getting it in the ninth and then getting it in the tenth yesterday to get out of there with a sweep I don't even I mean Saturday you're right they tied it right yeah I don't even yeah that feels like a week ago uh yesterday was a toughness gritty win and it, it was uh, it, it was not a result day, and that's what we called them on Southern Milligan. Hey, man, if you're here to get results today, you're you're just a clown. I mean, you're crazy because it's not going to happen today. But it, it just was not conducive to hitting. You got to work together, and you know there's going to be a few casualties here, but we got to figure out a way to score. And. Uh, Dad Gummit, they they keep doing it, man. They're tough. These guys we got are tough. They're tough minded and they like each other and they play hard for each other. 
and they're not afraid to wear an 0 for 5, man, which is a, that's a key attribute to a good hitting ball club. I, I got several guys that are wearing 0 for 4, 0 for 5. As long as they help contribute, they're happy, which is, man, that's a good trait. And the same way with the pitching staff, man. They they just kind of do their thing, and uh, they keep covering each other up, and it's it's good stuff, man. You mentioned Cooper Rawls earlier. Uh, he had two appearances prior to this past week, uh, an inning against Indiana, an inning against Northwestern State. To give you seven and two-thirds in that game Wednesday where you, you come from behind, there was some uh, questionable calls. It's You've got a lead. Can you hang on oh to it? And he gosh. was He was just – he was steady. He was steady. And then yesterday he comes in, uh, pitches two innings, gets the win. Were you – are you surprised by how well he's been in his last two outings considering we you know we just look I'm not there I'm not at practice but we haven't seen him a lot this year. There's a whole backstory you could write a book on. I mean it's it's an amazing story. He's the kid's gone through an arm stroke change. Uh, <laughs> you know, we've there's he's had it there's been a couple of hiccups. I mean it's just but he believes in himself. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tip my cap to him. He believes in himself, and he won't quit. That's all I'm going to say. And with the arm stroke change, it's pretty good, man, because he can land a slider anytime he wants. And if you can land a slider and then come back with the combio or the change up and, uh, and, and offset lefties with that, but land a slider in any count, that's why he screwed up LaTeX because, oh, oh, 2-0, 3-0, not fastballs. He's landing a slider, and that'll just mind screw hitters. Uh, and and when you can do that for a strike, it's a problem. So when he initially made this adjustment, it was over Christmas break, comes back, it's not where it needs to be, uh, has to adjust again. And then I told him, I said, you might lead the team in appearances. And then, you know, we have a couple of hiccups, et cetera. Uh, finally gets right, and... Uh, Pretty cool story, man. The kid's just minding his own business in the dugout. Next thing you know, it's nine innings and two wins. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Bray. We're visiting with Raging Cajun head baseball coach Matt Deggs. Um, this so week- we had a we had a uh, kid at A and M. This is a long time ago. Sure. His name's Travis Starling. And so I had told Cooper this story, and we called him T Star. So we took T-Star because he threw, out of high school, he threw a true knuckle curveball. Not a spike curve. I'm talking the bird hooting, two knuckles on it, and you extend your fingers. It's, a, it's an old pitch. It's a true knuckle curve, and you, you push your fingers out when you release. And when done right, it's a high-velocity, big-time movement pitch. And T-Star had this pitch. Well, he's on the mound at Texas Tech. And this is a long time ago, and it's snowing. And he can't throw a strike, and he he just blows a pickoff play. Anyway, Rob goes out to the mound. There's words exchanged, and basically he's not ever going to pitch there again. And for two years, I've watched this kid work without pitching, running, long tossing. I'm like, T-Star, man. And he goes, Coach, I ain't going to quit. And I look up the third year, man, T-Star's a big 12 closer of the year. He just never quit. 
and that's kind of what I had shared with Cooper, man, because he's got he's got an out pitch, and when guys have an out pitch, just stick with it. You're going to get a shot one day. We stuck with it, and uh, it paid dividends for you guys uh, in in two of the wins this past week. And uh, it it feels like the pitching staff at this point, Coach, um, starting to. It, it, I guess my question is this: rather than a long winded way, who's who's going to start for you on tu- uh, on Tuesday? Do you know yet? I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> don't ask me. Go ask Seth Thibodeau. Don't ask me, Coach. <laughs> It's a condensed week, right? Right. You got Thursday, Friday, Saturday after, so you you gotta you gotta take all things into account in terms of your starters and relievers. Resurrection Day this week, one day after the uh, Easter eggs hunt, as I as I can see there. Resurrection Day, praise the Lord, man. We are uh, going to celebrate this weekend, and it's a condensed week. And uh, I don't know. We've you know it's one one thing about our starts over the weekend is we should be fresh going into Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, because what's how go five? Yeah. And yep. then uh, I think I went, I should have left Schultz out there. Uh, so I think I went and got him after six, maybe. That is correct. And uh, and then Hefe, you know, he, uh, he just, it, it just wasn't his day yesterday. Uh, so we got him out of there and, we should be rested up for that series coming up. Uh, tomorrow you'll see several guys. Uh, I still like Peyton Havard. Uh, I, I won't get off that, that bandwagon. Uh, he's just got too much moxie. He's got too much to him. Tommy Ray should be fresh. Uh, you know, you got Chip, Durkee. Uh We should be in good shape. Coach Matt Deggs, I guess. You mentioned the condensed week. Uh, it was... A, an emphasis for uh, Coach Tony Robichaux. Uh, the Cajuns used to play on Easter. The Sun Belt used to play on Easter Day. And uh, he really was passionate, pushed for it, and eventually it was passed. And now it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday week, and um, everyone can be home on Easter. Uh, for those that you know might live away, I'm sure they have somewhere to go. But that was something that um, you know he, he pushed hard for, and I remember him every year talking about it openly and avidly. Uh, it's obviously something that now, I don't know, I don't know how long it's been, Coach, but it's it's not like it's been happening for maybe as long as we think or maybe as long as it feels. I remember producing baseball games, being at some baseball games on Easter. So to uh, to have it the way it is right now, when you think back to Coach Robe, you know, everyone's talking about baseball and all these other things, and, and he would always point to something else. I do know this. That was one thing that, that he took a lot of pride in, and I think the fact that he was able to push for it is something that, um, you know, he was he was very proud of, as he should be. Dang right. Dang right. Because Coach Robe's a man's man. He's not afraid to draw a line in the sand and say what needs to be said and do what needs to be done. And we need more men like that. And uh, praise God that he did that. You know, we talked last year about uh, Easter egg hunts. You probably don't remember this conversation you and I had, but I see that uh, Saturday in the uh, series finale against ULM, they're going to have an Easter eggs hunt. Uh, were you responsible for putting your name on that what? promo? Did you even know that that's what it's called? No. It's Easter eggs hunt. That's what it's called. There, So your name's on it. Now you know. I asked you this question last year. 
Uh, if if the play, now this is for you know the young ones after the game, but if your team were to get involved in an Easter egg hunt, who on this year's team is winning it? I think last year you said it would have been Eric Getty. Okay, There's Tyler no Robinson. Tr. Tr. Probably push kid down to get an egg. I could see that. All right. Tr. And Shock are ball hogs, and put Rocco in that category. They they are they're ball hogs. So yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna put them in there for the front runners of the the egg hunt. I'm sorry, uh, the Degs hunt, Coach. I mean, I, I I don't know how you feel about it, but that's what it says. That's what they're promoting it as. So I had no clue. On yeah, this. yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. You had nothing to do with it. No, I believe you. Um, <laughs> uh, this Sunday on uh, on Easter, um, what what are what are Easter days at the Degs family household like? And then we'll let you run. We're going to, you know, celebrate Jesus Christ dying on the cross, descending into hell, conquering death, and ascending into heaven, and uh, sitting at the right hand of the Father where he intercedes on our behalf. And we're going to thank him and praise him all together. And uh, it's, a, it's a free gift called grace, man. Nothing you can do to earn it. Uh, it's a free gift, so... How much Thank do you, you how much do you talk about your faith with your with your team on a I guess on a daily basis? Does it come up in sort of big moments or is it just an, an everyday part of the part of the program? Everyday part of the program. And it's, we have a very the faith on this team goes real deep, man. Real deep. And it's uh it's pretty cool for me because I I kinda now I'm just part of it, right? There's a lot of other men leading it, and I'm I'm kind of just part of it. And and uh, you start off a big part of it, and now there's you know it, it runs deep, and it's it's uh, it's pretty special. Louisiana Raging Cajun baseball coach Matt Deggs has been our guest. Uh, four games this week. Tomorrow, uh, all of them at home. Tomorrow it's faculty staff appreciation night. Uh, Louisiana hosting McNeese five thirty pregame, and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday those airing. On our sibling station, News Talk 96.5 KPL from Learfield. Boy Scouts Day Thursday and then Saturday, the Easter Degs Hunt uh, taking place Pretty out cool. there as well. All right, now you're into it. I like I gotta it. i got to say, man, you know what? It, our faith runs deep, but I will tell you this. It, we're all flawed, man. And uh, we're we're hot a lot of times and we're competitive. And it uh, doesn't mean you're perfect. It just means you're flawed. But uh, we believe in something bigger than ourselves. That's for sure. Yeah, and not afraid to share it. I appreciate you uh, opening up as always, Coach, and uh, we'll see you out at the ballpark, and have a great week. All right, you too, Scotty. That's Thank it. you. That is Rage Cajun Head Baseball Coach Matt Deggs on a Monday morning. We'll take a quick timeout. We come back, open up phone lines, 337-269-1077. More from Augusta. How much money did the Masters leave off the table because they want to do things specifically their way. It's a pretty staggering number. We'll give you the details on that when we come back and more. Don't go anywhere. It's the great Scott show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. What's up, Acadiana? This is Rich Eisen. Check out the Rich Eisen show every weekday from noon to three. and Get your sports fix right here on ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. 
This is the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports, coming at you on a Monday. Appreciate Coach Matt Deggs coming on the show. The Masters doing things their way, as is the case with the Masters. It was a shock when they decided to let, you know, Dude Perfect and Bryson DeChambeau do all these little Kids stunts all over the course. I was like, what? Well, they're trying to reach the youth movement. Wait, this is the Masters. Since when do they care? But honestly, since when do they care? The Masters leaves an exorbitant amount of money off the table because they want to do things their way. Now, don't get me wrong. They still generate a ton. A ton. It's the most prestigious tournament on the PGA Tour. It's the most prestigious tournament in the sport. And it's going to bring in $18 million less than this year's U.S. Open. Now, why is that the case? The first major of 2022, the Masters, is expected when all is said and done to generate around $142 million in revenue. This according to Forbes. Where does that revenue come from? Uh, $25 million from international TV rights. A little different when you get out of the country. Uh, $8 million from concessions. That's a lot of pimento cheese. $39 million in the badges. That's your entry into Augusta during the Masters. And $69 million in merchandise. Now, what about the big one? What about domestic TV revenue? I mean, that's, that's where the big money comes, right? The Masters generates... Zero dollars on domestic TV revenue. Now, how's that the case? We see it on CBS. We see it, uh, you know, the first two rounds on ESPN. We see Saturday and Sunday on CBS. We see Jim Nance trying to make the winner cry every year. CBS and ESPN allow Augusta complete control of the broadcast, full autonomy. They produce the broadcast, which is great. Uh, uh, Augusta produces hours and hours of sports on network television for a broadcast. Now, what it, what are the, what's the trade-off? Uh, the trade-off is the Masters gets no TV compensation from CBS or ESPN. 
That's nuts. The U.S. Open gets $93 million from domestic TV rights. Another 15 mil from sponsorship deals. Augusta doesn't have a ton of sponsors. They have like five or six, I think. AT&T, Mercedes-Benz, UPS, Rolex, IPM, and Delta. IBM, excuse me. Per Forbes, the Masters misses out on up to $269 million by not maximizing revenue potential. You don't think CBS and or ESPN or any of the networks would pay over 100 mil for the Masters? Of course they would. But then they would have control of the broadcast. And they could do things. And they could go certain spots on the course. And they, Augusta's like, nah. Whatever it is that makes the Masters the most prestigious. Well, I say whatever it is. It's a, it's a whole lot of reasons but how they present it to the rest of the world, how it is presented on television is such a big part of that. And I guess they're worried that if they give up control of the broadcast, that could change a little. But how much would CBS want to change the broadcast at all? They sit there, they get these Buku ratings, and they don't even have to pay Augusta for it. It's crazy. And yes, they definitely rake in on the advertisements. I mean, the ads that run during the Masters, that's that's a lot. Get on that Sunday. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. But they turned down hundreds of millions. Hundreds of millions. So your six sponsors pay about six to eight mil in exchange for four minutes of advertising per hour. And that's why when you watch the Masters, you see a lot of the same commercials. Incredible. Incredible. Because they do it their way. Some felt like it was simply incredible that Tiger Woods even played at the Masters. Certainly he was the story on Thursday. And then the physical limitations caught up with him on Friday. And even though he made the cut, it was he was having trouble getting around. He talked yesterday about the pain he was going through physically. To play at Augusta this year, it's been a a, a, a tough road, and um, you know one that uh, I'm very thankful to, to have have the opportunity to be able to to uh, to grind through it. Um, a lot of different things could have happened, um, but 14 months um, I'm able to tee it up and play in the Masters. Uh, I don't think people really understand, you know, the own. Uh, the people who are close to me I understand if they've seen it. Um, some of the players who are are close to me have have seen it and have seen the uh, some of the, the the pictures and the the, the things that I've had to endure, and um, they they appreciate it probably more than than anyone else because uh, they know what what it takes to to do this out here um, at this level. How much pain were you in today? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is Tiger Woods. Now, Scotty Scheffler, who looks like he would be a younger brother of Jason Witten, looks like he's 25 going on 40. He's in the clubhouse, and this is when Jim Nance always lays it on thick every year. I mean thick. He's hoping for tears, and Scheffler is 
I think one of his close friends described him as uh, incredibly boring, but in the best way possible. It was just answering the questions, but he's he ain't gonna cry, Jim. This is what it sounded like in the clubhouse. Kevin Hideki Matsuyama, last year's winner, about to present the green jacket to your new champion, Scotty Scheffler. Scotty, your play today and all week was spectacular. I thought uh, the third hole was a really a turning point when you hold that bump and run from below the green. You had to be really excited when you heard the reaction of the patrons. Yeah, I was, I was very excited. A bit surprised, too. You know, that was definitely uh, not a shot I expected to see go in, but, you know, it definitely changed, you know, I wouldn't say it changed the complexion of the day, but it definitely got things rolling for me, and, you know, I played some really solid golf after that. You sure did. How did you stay so calm? That's a good question. You know, I may not have looked, or I may have looked calm on the outside, but as Hideki knows, you know, it's a, it's a long day, it's a tough day, and, you know, I just try to keep my head down and, you know, just execute shots. And there were, as chairman mentioned there were so many roars out there today did you pay any attention to them at all not really you know I, I was fortunate to put myself in a position where i was in control of the tournament today so i didn't have to worry about what anybody else was doing out there if i took care of my stuff and played good solid golf i felt like i would get the job done and so that was the goal going into today was just keep my head down and um i did see at one point that rory posted seven under i believe and then um cam and i were kind of getting a little tight there after he birdied 11 i made a huge par putt there and then after that, you know, he made the mistake on 12, and I had a nice up and down. And after that, you know, just, just played some good golf. When did you first start dreaming of this moment to be wearing that jacket that you're going to have here in just a minute? Uh, that's a good question. You know, probably the first time it popped into my mind was Friday in the afternoon really? after we got done. Um, you know, I never really make it this far. I always just, you know, dream of being here and competing. Um, you know, I can't put into words what it means that I'll be able to come back here for a lifetime hopefully and um, you know I can't I can't speak highly enough of this place where do you go from here you've won four of your last six starts you're a master's champion what's next I'm gonna go home <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty tired right now and you know we're gonna go home and celebrate a little bit and I think this might be when he calls Jim Joe honestly Joe I, I don't know um, you know I, I'm really at a at a loss for words right now. I'm kind of glad I, I had a little hiccup there in the last hole. It made me a little less emotional so I can get through this interview. But, um. <laughs> you know, that was, uh, it, it was a human moment. It was. And that was such a sweet moment with Meredith walking to go sign the card and all your family there in tow. And I know for this family, it is all about family inside the Scheffler clan, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't. I can't thank my family enough. My parents and my sisters have made so many sacrifices for me over the years. And, you know, we've all dreamed about just making it to this tournament. And it's an emotional just getting in the field. And so to have the honor of winning the golf tournament is, is so special. And for them all to be here with us and, you know, Meredith's family was here as well. It was, you know, that was a really special moment. Well, Fred, it's that time. Yeah, there it is. Fred, it's that time. Congrats to Scotty Scheffler and his caddy, Teddy Scott, Lafayette native, his third time being on the bag for a Masters champ. Maybe I should just start interviewing everyone like Jim Nance in the cabin, which is a set, a television set inside the clubhouse of the Masters with a fake fireplace. Sorry. Sorry. I love the Masters. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. We've talked NBA. We've talked Pels. We've talked Masters. We've talked Cajun softball. We've talked Cajun baseball. We've talked LSU baseball. UL football. 
The Vermilion and White spring game on Saturday. Team Vermilion won 82-73. Now, if you're asking, wait, how? What? Huh? The way the scoring took place was every three yards gained on a play is a point for the offense. And every play that goes for less than three yards is a point for the opposing defense. So if a pass play for 15 yards goes, that's 15 points for the offense. An incompletion, a point for the defense. A negative play, three points for the defense. And I feel bad for everyone who was having to keep score of that game. But Ben Walrich looks strong. Chandler Fields looks strong. Um, You know, there were some limitations. It wasn't your traditional spring game like you had a year ago where you had uh, for the most part, a very full and healthy roster and a lot of returners and just a lot of familiarity. Coach Desimo speaking after the annual spring game on Saturday. You guys came out and competed. Um, the format we used, you know, was intentional to make every play to where there were points on the line. So... Whether the defense got a negative play, sack, tackle for loss, or the offense got explosive, every single play today had value. And um, it kind of just goes along with what we preach. You know, the little things matter. You know, doing everything that we do makes a difference. Um, and really, you know, the theme we've kind of gone with was the differences in the details. And so, you know, we just want to have a format where every play can score points, whether you're on offense, defense, special teams. And, um, Made it, made it interesting, made it a lot of fun, and uh, kept the game all the way down to the end. So, a lot of fun today. Good way to wrap up the spring. Coach, it feels like all spring we've been talking about the quarterbacks and everything, but the defense flying around extremely well. Just how were you impressed with that, and what were your impressions of some of the plays that they made? Well, I'm not surprised one bit. I've seen it the whole spring. You know, there, there's been a lot of back and forth uh, between the offense and the defense. And, um, you know, I, I think the thing that, that I've been the most pleased with is really just the leadership on this team, um, you know, with a lot of people that have left within this last year, right, through graduation or what, what have you, um, the leadership has just been phenomenal. And so the defense, you see those guys out there, you know, you got to play defense with a certain type of edge, and our guys have it. And um, it trickles down, you know, from the leaders all the way through to the young guys. So I think you saw a lot of older guys, familiar faces making plays, and then you saw some young ones that, you know, haven't done a whole lot on Cajun Field on Saturday nights yet. So really pleased with them. The effort I thought was really good. Obviously, you know, some communication stuff that you got to clean up anytime you have a scrimmage. But overall, I thought it was pretty clean and, uh, and really well played. In terms of the point structure, where did you sort of come up with that idea in terms of that incentivization, you know, keep that competitiveness within the spring game? So we, we kind of – we have this red zone kind of this red zone period that we do pretty much every scrimmage and we kind of had a point system from there and so from from that we kind of just said well you know how can we carry it out throughout the whole scrimmage and so we added you know negative plays for a defensive point um, and did some things like that really just kind of sat down um, and, and a bunch of us kind of brainstormed on what's a way that we can make everything we do matter a little bit so just a lot of people kind of coming together with things that we've done in the past in different places and certainly things that we've done here over the years. Um, we had a little bit of a similar format in 2018, um, which should probably nobody remembers anymore. Uh, but the first year when Coach Napier got here, um, our squad was pretty similar where we didn't have a whole lot of depth. We had enough to go and play, but not necessarily enough to uh, 
have a full game or anything like that. So we've kind of done this a little bit in the past before. We just kind of created it to where everything had a little bit of a, of a point value and something on the line. That is Coach Desimo. For more from the spring game, head over to ESPNLafayette.com. Check out the story over there. Louisiana completes annual spring vermilion white game. All that and more. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Jay Walker joins me tomorrow in the 8 o'clock hour. Looking forward to that. Don't go anywhere. The Dan Patrick Show is next on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.